The Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again Abraham spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. The Lord answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then Abraham said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there, he answered. I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. The Lord answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, O Lord, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is found in Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human traditions according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism— in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the Holy Gospel. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he asks. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. It's from the Epistle lesson appointed for this Sunday, Colossians 1, verse 21 through 28. St. Paul writes, Therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its illegal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is our text. The following sermon is adapted from a message written by Reverend Kenneth Kloss for the Concordia Pulpit Resource. In the name of Jesus our Lord, dear friends, My father once told me, everyone is a philosopher. Over the years, I've watched and listened to people, and I've discovered my father is right. From the bum on Skid Row to the Fortune 500 CEO, everyone is a philosopher. Some philosophers spend their time answering deep questions of human existence, such as, what is the meaning of life? And what is the nature of the universe? I am ever amazed that the answers to these questions are so varied and contradictory that the answers are so long and complicated and filled with big words. Over the years, I have read numerous writings by some of the great philosophers who have ever lived, and I almost always end up saying, wow, that sounds impressive. I wonder what he means. I'm a philosopher too, but I am not always a deep thinker. I don't always address hard questions. Simple ones often tax my mind. For example, I wonder, when they ship styrofoam, what do they pack it in? I wonder, why do they call the slacks I wear a pair of pants? when there's only one. I've agonized over matters. I have wondered why kamikaze pilots wore helmets. I wonder how they got the deer to cross at those yellow signs. I wondered, if corn oil comes from corn, where does baby oil come from? These are the questions that I occasionally philosophize on. Maybe you have considered these questions too. We philosophers wonder about a lot of things. On this Sunday, I wonder about something else. I wonder why more people don't pay more attention to their faith in Christ. This past Monday, I went to the grocery store. In the produce aisle, I saw shoppers thumping watermelons. They wanted the best watermelon possible. I saw people partially stripping corn 
though they might peek at its golden kernels. They wanted the sweetest tasting corn. One after another, the fruits and vegetables were examined for depth of color, soft spots, and size. It looked like the shoppers were buying diamonds. Why did they go to the trouble? They wanted the best melon or corn for the dinner table. After the produce section, I ambled over to the meat department. What I saw was scary. People bent over with their heads in the cooler, concentrating on different packages of meat. As I watched, steaks and roast were tossed from one pile to another as the shoppers searched for the ultimate hunk of beef or pork. The philosopher in me asked why people who ponder long and hard over the differences between watermelons and corn, pork chops and steak, don't pause to consider the truth about God and eternal life. I had to ask myself, why do so many people spend hours searching for what they will eat and drink and yet hardly spend a moment seeking the kingdom of God? Some people don't care about fruits and vegetables, but watch when it comes time to buy a car. They go from dealer to dealer to dealer, or in today's cyberspace retail market, from website to website to website, comparing a vehicle's lines, tire size, engines, options, and prices. I was at a local car dealership getting my Chevy minivan serviced. There were several people in the lot acting as though they were Navy SEALs on a covert operation. They were sneaking around the cars, hoping not to be seen by the vigilant salesman. They were kicking tires, scrutinizing vehicle features and prices. Some were looking under the hood, interrogating the salesman, and taking the vehicle for a test drive. Once they had identified the vehicle of a choice, they haggle endlessly for a better price, looking for the ultimate deal. Their strategy when buying a car is only slightly less complex than that for the DD landing at Normandy. Why? Because they wanted to be able to brag to whoever will listen. Yep, I just bought her. It's 45 miles to the gallon in city traffic. Doesn't need a tune-up until the odometer turns a couple hundred thousand miles. Price? Dirt cheap, if you know what you're doing. Shoppers want the best deal possible. I can understand that. But I am baffled that such people spend little or no time thinking about God. God grants a treasure which, unlike a car, cannot be stolen or rust. The philosopher in me wonders why a person believes car dealerships are different, maintain that all gods are alike. The philosopher in me wonders why some people believe there's a difference in schools, but think all religions are the same. Scripture is clear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Why do we argue about political candidates and parties? 
platforms and ideologies, but think that any belief in any kind of God can save us, is valid and true? Why do some people think there are differences between perfumes, underarm deodorants, soaps, shampoos, razor blades, beer, and fast food places, but think that all gods are alike? The philosopher in me wonders. Apparently, God wonders too. That's why, by the Spirit's direction, St. Paul encouraged. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught. You see, not all gods are created equal. In fact, there is only one true God. Not all saviors save. The only name under heaven by which a person can be saved is Jesus Christ. Not all religious teachings and philosophies are solid foundation upon which to build one's life. There's only one chief cornerstone, that's Jesus Christ. There's only one solid foundation, and that is the teachings of the apostles and the prophets written in the Bible. False philosophers in teaching were seeping religious and philosophical sewage into the Colossian congregation. They claimed that the teachings of St. Paul, that a person is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, were incorrect. Instead, that they, pro they proposed that Christ was not truly divine and therefore incapable of rescuing humanity from sin, death, and the devil. They stressed that a person could save himself or herself by observing certain dietary laws and holidays and by observing a strict form of asceticism, even harshly treating one's body. Their philosophy and religious thinking emphasized angel worship and acquiring secret knowledge through mystic rituals. As philosophers, we may wonder about a lot of things in life, but we don't have to wonder about what God tells us. Through St. Paul, the Lord says that we are able to reject fake philosophies. He commands us to be faithful and in his revealed word. In verse 8, we read, See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than Christ. We are to compare religions with the same vigor and passion that we search for watermelons, corn, pork and steak, and automobiles. We compare religions and philosophies with God's word, not for the purpose of finding a better deal, but in order to discern truth from error so that we may continue to possess the treasures that one true religion that confesses faith in the triune God. This is not a new message. In the Old Testament, God called the people to faithfulness. He warned of the dangers that wandered away, of wandering away from him. He recorded the destruction of Judah when it deserted his covenant. 
God's call to faithfulness was echoed by the New Testament evangelists and apostles. We don't have to wonder what God wants from his people. He wants to be faithful to his word. The philosopher in us cannot fathom the reality of God. The philosopher in us cannot comprehend the truth of his word, his righteousness, his holiness, his majesty. We are by nature fallen, fallen philosophers, trapped in our sinfulness and unable to attain true knowledge of God. Paul asks, where is the wise man? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Yes, we need someone to enlighten us, to reveal God in all his divine fullness, his righteousness and majesty, in all his compassion, his kindness, his mercy. Only one teacher sent from God and revealed in sacred story can show us the Father in all his grace. St. Paul writes, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Christ is the one who reveals the true God to us. He is the Lord of our righteousness. He is the one who embodies the love of the Father for the world, solely clearly manifested and revealed when he willingly died on Calvary's cross for our sin. St. Paul writes, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. During the Civil War in the USA, a soldier whose brother and father had been killed went to Washington, D.C. to see President Lincoln. He wanted a release that would allow him to go home and take over spring planting. When he got to the White House, he tried every way imaginable to see the president. At every avenue, he was turned down. Discouraged, he wandered from the presidential mansion to a park across the street. While he sat, a boy came up to him and said, You look unhappy. What's wrong? The soldier told his hopeless story. Immediately, the lad took the soldier by the hand, led him around to the back of the White House, through the back door, past the guards, past the generals, past the government officials, directly to the president's office. The boy didn't knock, but walked right in, saying, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. In a short time, the soldier was headed home for spring planting. No other boy could have done what the president's son did. He alone could open the door that could guarantee a happy ending. That is what Jesus does. 
God's Son alone can grant a happy ending. The Son of God alone, by his life, death, and resurrection, has opened the doors that no divinity could. In our walk through life, he is our truth. In our weakness, he is our Savior who richly forgives us. In our hardship and adversity, Jesus is our Lord who equips and steadies us with his own strength. In verses 13 to 15, St. Paul states, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We don't need to be philosophers. We don't have to wonder or worry to know that this is God's truth that needs to be shared by members of this congregation and every congregation that calls itself Christian. In April 1988, the Evening News reported that a skydiving photographer had jumped from a plane along with numerous other jumpers. His responsibility was to film the group as they fell. His camera showed the wind whipping the clothes of the divers. It recorded <clears throat> the intricate designs the divers made as they came together. The film displayed one parachute after another opening. Then the screen went wild. The news anchor said the cameraman died. In the excitement of the moment, he had jumped out of the plane without his chute. It wasn't until he reached for his ripcord that he realized the problem. Until the then, the jump had been exciting and fun. At that moment, things changed. Faith in a non-existent parachute could not help him. Someday, an open-minded world will understand that story. Today, they are having fun, but they are free-falling through life. Without Jesus, they are trusting in a parachute that is not there. As a Christian who believes in heaven and hell, I wonder, on Judgment Day, just how sad can a lost soul be? Christian friends, let's not find out. We don't want to know. If we saw a person jumping out of an airplane without a parachute, we'd say something to that person, wouldn't we? If that's the case, how much more would we witness to those who are free-falling through life without the protection of a Savior? Let's put aside philosophies and pretenses of being open-minded. Let us be bold in our witness and say to those who are free-falling, who have been taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies, Jesus alone is our Savior. Let us warn 
Do not be taken captive through philosophy, human tradition, and the basic principles of this world. Let us encourage our family, friends, neighbors, and brothers and sisters in Christ to live in Jesus, be rooted in Jesus, be strengthened in Jesus, who triumphed on our behalf. Let us tell all who will listen, you don't have to wonder. Jesus alone is Savior and Lord. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.